Trevor Woods here from the Block M Podcast, an affiliate of Fans First Sports Network, with the first edition of getting to know the opponent for the 2023 Michigan football season. This week brings the East Carolina Pirates to Ann Arbor, and I'm looking forward to this one. And speaking with me today is Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors 24-7 Sports East Carolina site. And you can also find Stephen every weekday at 12 noon on 94.3 The Game. Appreciate you having me on, and glad football is back and looking forward to heading to the big house here shortly, checking out uh, what should be you know, obviously one of the top environments and in all of college sports, so uh, it should be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. It looks like a beautiful day on Saturday in store. Maybe partly cloudy, partly sunny, looking like it's going to approach the 80s. So absolutely wonderful day to start September off in Michigan. Now, East Carolina, the past couple years, they have made bowl games. And last year, they picked up a bowl game win in the Birmingham Bowl. And... Defensive coordinator for Michigan, who will be the head coach for Michigan on Saturday because Jim Harbaugh has a suspension the first three games of the season. Minner said about East Carolina that they are giant killers. Some Michigan players have also said how they respect the East Carolina program. So my first question to you, Stephen, is what makes East Carolina giant killers? What makes the Wolverines cautious and with a respectful approach to the program? Great questions. I, I think, and it makes sense that Jesse Minter has that take, given his dad's familiarity coaching with, uh, you know, with Cincinnati and against East Carolina in the nineties, and that's really when East Carolina kind of made a name for itself. In nineteen ninety one, uh, they finished ranked ninth nationally. They beat NC State in the Peach Bowl, and that was kind of really the start of a big run in the nineties, where they were just knocking off big-time opponents. They uh, went to Miami in 96 when Miami, I think, was ranked uh, top 10 and beat them 31-6. They beat Miami when uh, the Hurricanes were top 10. Uh, Also in 1999, they beat Virginia Tech. They whooped up on South Carolina. Um, You know, West Virginia, they beat handily in the Skip Holtz era in 2008. They also beat Virginia Tech that same year. Um, They beat NC State multiple times, North Carolina multiple times in the past decade. So, it's uh, you know it's, it's kind of something they're known for here in this region, especially like it's it's the classic chip on your shoulder program, um, and I wouldn't expect a ton of people in Michigan to be familiar with it because obviously it's East Carolina. There's these two teams haven't crossed paths before in football and don't don't really have too many common opponents, and so that's kind of what makes this one unique. And the one thing I will say is Michigan, I think, is on a different level. And, you know, talent-wise in a lot of the teams, ECU's beaten from the so-called quote-unquote Power 5 conferences in the past. And so this will be another test. You also, you know, the program experienced a pretty big downturn from 2015 through 2020. And really, they're just now getting out of that. So the talent is, I think, as good as it's been in, in, in years, even with key personnel losses, which we'll get into. But they don't have the experience this year so how much they can kind of take from those past giant killer victories, so to speak, remains to be seen. But it is a program that typically does have a a knack for playing up to its competition. Yeah, so definitely lost a lot of talent. Uh, Speaking of which, Houston Oilers quarterback, longtime quarterback, he's no longer with the program, went to the NFL. He threw for three 
3,708 yards last year, 28 touchdowns to just five interceptions. Running back Keaton Mitchell had an insane 7.2 yards per carry, 1,452 yards, 14 touchdowns on the ground. Those guys are both gone. Um, beyond that, they've lost a lot of other key pieces since last season. Per ESPN, the team is last in returning production on offense and has the fifth lowest mark on defense. So, obviously a lot of talent gone, as we've both said. But what what players should Michigan really be keeping an eye on on both sides of the ball that can replace that production? I think the, the key thing is usually, especially this day and age in college football, when you have that many personnel losses, the first thing you would think is, oh, they're going to go out to the transfer portal and get, you know, 10 guys to replace them. And they did go to the portal to grab some offensive linemen and to grab some receivers. But as I look at the offense right now, they're really going to count on the, the returners. The guys who have been in the program, you got a fifth-year head coach in Mike Houston who's really big on culture building and all the cliche stuff. But truly, he's won everywhere he's been. Uh, he built a program here when – in college football, it's hard to build a program consistently year in and year out, and I feel like they've reached that point. Now you just got to get these guys to go on the field and produce. But, like, a quarterback, I mean, they haven't officially named him the starter, but Mason Garcia, more than likely, he's going to start. He's one of the highest-rated recruits in program history. He's a four-star kid out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 6'5", 250, he can run. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's just got to go play. Uh, they like the backup quarterback, too. Alex Flynn, if he starts as a backup, he's more of a game manager, make the safe plays. Uh, but Garcia is more of an uh, upside talent. So I would expect Garcia to start Saturday. Who knows how he'll handle that environment. Some guys thrive in it. Other guys can't handle it. So that's just one of those things. It's an unknown right now. I run it back. They feel really good about the running back room. They did lose Keaton Mitchell, who was an explosive playmaker. But they do have a lot of power backs returner. Rajay Harris is an experienced running back, former co-rookie of the year in the American for 2020. He's uh, come off a knee injury, but has had a good, healthy preseason camp. Marlon Gunn is another physical back they like. They added a transfer of Gerald Green, who has 1,500 career rushing yards. And they uh, have a talented freshman, Javius Bond, who they really like. It's more built in the mold to keep Mitchell, and I expect him to play at least a little bit. You know, the, the big question marks outside of quarterback are the offensive line. They lost four starters, and they have some moving pieces up front. And a new all-line co- line coach. Again, most of those guys who, who are going to start have been in the program. So, like, they've, they've been developing, kind of waiting for this moment. And then tight end, they got Shane Calhoun, who's an experienced guy. But then receiver, you lose 2,000-yard receivers. And it's almost like, again, a ton of guys who have been waiting their turn. They brought in multiple transfers, but it looks like right now a lot of the guys who we'll see Saturday are the guys who have been in the program. Kind of uh, a big play guy, Josiah Hatfield, who's shown flashes in the past, number 88. He's only 5'9", but he's got burner speed, 4'4 speed. He'll probably get some targets, and they also got some other you know, faster receivers on the outside. So I think they'll, they may not have as much size at receivers last year, but I think they'll be more explosive in terms of being able to move the football down the field with speed. How all that plays out against Michigan's defense remains to be seen. Yeah. Now, you uh, wrote an article that although Garcia, you expect him to start clearly, that both quarterbacks 
Garcia and Flynn could end up playing in this one. What do you think the possibility of that will ultimately be? I think a lot of it is dictated by how the game goes. And, I, you know, in the past, Mike Houston and offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick have definitely preferred to have one stable quarterback. Obviously, the guy had been holding Aylers uh, through the last four years. So, I, I think if Garcia is the guy, I think he'll have a pretty long leash. But if the score gets out of hand or if Garcia just struggles, you know, the big thing is, they just don't want to go in there and turn the football over a bunch early. Which they did not do last season. Turnovers lost. Last year, East Carolina, obviously different quarterback in there, but they ranked first in all of college football in turnovers lost. They, they were incredible disciplined, not turning the ball over. Yeah, and then, so, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, is that is that luck? Obviously, part of that comes with experience, so you worry about that in this environment. You know, the first scrimmage, they struggled with turnovers in the preseason. The second scrimmage was much cleaner. Um, you know, realistically, you're probably going to make some mistakes at the quarterback position. It's just you don't want them to be the – you know, you don't want to go first drive, throw a pick six or second drive, and, you know, turn the ball over deep in your own territory and just hand Michigan three points. So, you know, if Garcia struggles with that, I would expect Flynn, who, who, who's more, again, kind of a – you know, for lack of a better term, game manager to make the simple reads, simple throws – you know, really more dissect the defense rather than have the big play ability. Maybe he gets some action. But I, I think they want Garcia to be the guy. He, he makes them a more complete offense, especially running the football. So, you know, maybe we'll see both of them. But that's something that, you know, I think will be dictated by the game. And this is Trevor Woods here once again, chatting with Stephen Igo from 24-7 Sports, Hoist the Colors. Now, Stephen, you have another excellent, excellent article on Hoist the Colors Pirates thrilled for opportunity inside the big house, but not intimidated. Could you expound upon that? So I just think it's a, a case of again, you know, they're they're not. This is a program that's not going to be in all. And it is interesting that the one thing they're doing differently for this trip is um, they're going to take the team to the stadium Friday night after they land in Ann Arbor, which typically, you know, is not done in a road game. Usually you just go to the hotel and you get up the next morning, go to the stadium, play the game. But they, you know, the combination of it being the first game, being the biggest stadium in college football, they're going to basically get, get to Ann Arbor, take the team to the stadium, let them take it in, kind of get the jitters out, you know, realize, hey, this is a, a gigantic venue, but at the end of the day, you know, the football field is the same, uh, the same length, same width, all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, they have, I, I don't remember the ECU doing that before, at least as I've covered the team. Mike Houston did do it at the Citadel when they played at Florida State and then played at South Carolina. He actually took the Citadel into South Carolina and won, although much different circumstances with it being towards the end of the season and the South Carolina team that was kind of falling apart at the time. But it was still a massive win for that program. So I don't know how much he can draw on that, but at least he can use the experience of, you know, playing in a – such a big environment and maybe how to get the guys in the right mindset to handle it. And that seems to be the approach ECU's taken. And as far as the players, you know, we talked to a lot of the seniors, the guys who have been around and they're just, I think kind of relishing this opportunity to go up such a, against a big name, uh, national program. And we, we talked to the one player on ECU's roster who's actually been a part of a team that's beat Michigan. Jalen Johnson was a receiver and a special teams player on Georgia in 2021. 
when obviously they beat Michigan in the college football playoffs. So we kind of got his take on that, and I'm sure he'll relay some things to his teammates so they won't be some at all of what they face on Saturday. And last one for you, Stephen. What has been the general perception or analysis from East Carolina coaches and players about the Michigan program? I think uh, I just think there's a tremendous respect. I mean, I think you know we've asked a lot about you know the Jim Harbaugh, you know, offensive coordinator. What does this mean? And they you know they tend to lean more towards the side of they really don't think it means that much, especially with them coaching all week. And, yeah, they're not going to be there on game day. Maybe, you know, maybe it becomes an issue if East Carolina can stay in the game and put a scare into them in the second half, and then all of a sudden you're looking around, you you don't have that presence of your head coach or your your main offensive play caller. But they know they face a tall task. Um, ton of respect. I mean, they they love from a you know they, they would love for some of the players to be sitting out because they know how much the talent is there, especially up front. Like I think that's the biggest concern. Of course, J.J. McCarthy, the running backs get a lot of hype, but can ECU handle Michigan's defensive front and have a chance to function on offense? And then conversely, ECU does have a really experienced defensive line. That's the one area where they're pretty loaded. They have a ton of talent and depth returning and experience returning. They were a top 20 run defense last year. So the, the thing is, can they slow down Michigan's running game? Uh, or is Michigan just going to overwhelm them with power? That's just... That's something that we'll have to wait and see, but I know it's a challenge. ECU is looking forward to Saturday. Well, I'm looking forward to covering the game in person, as are you. Looking forward to seeing you up in that press box bright on Saturday morning, Stephen. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, Trevor. I appreciate it. Heck yeah, I appreciate you too. Once again, this has been Trevor Woods from the Block M Podcast. You folks can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Woods Football, and I'll speak with you all shortly after Michigan's game against ECU.